Hello, and welcome to the Innovate IPM podcast, where we are passionate about the future of the industrial projects professions, presenting you the best of project management, people, and practices, combining the wisdom of time-tested methods with the cutting-edge technologies and advancements that are modernizing our craft. Our mission is to contribute to the growth and progress of the industrial project management community. It's time to talk scope, schedule, and budget. Let's start the show. Happy 2020, Innovate IPM community. It is Rob Williams, your host of the Innovate IPM podcast. This is the first official episode of the year and decade 2020. Wow, we're in the 20s. Doesn't that sound crazy? And yet here we are in the 20s. So listen, you know, may this new year bring you and your families uh, growth, prosperity, and empowerment as we move along, as we learn more about ourselves, as we build frameworks to build up our careers and our businesses, as we learn more about the technologies that are changing the worlds that we live in and changing our day-to-day lives. Let's all work together to, to stay ahead of the ball and, and make life as, as good as life can be. And that's my wish for, for everybody in this community for the 2020s. Today's guest is Mr. Roshan Vani. Roshan is the COO of Nexus PMG, uh, as well as le- he's part of the leadership and uh, 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 the startup team of cloud EPCs, online cloud-based digital platform. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about all that. This has been a really cool conversation. Uh, probably my favorite conversation so far because this one is the one that we have dug most into the people element, the human element of business, the human element of projects and construction. Uh, Roshan's company, Nexus PMG, they're doing some really interesting different things in business and how they treat their people and uh and 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 the way they approach business in general um they're a nice elite i call them the elite boutique they're a small company who's just working and striving to be uh the best in the world at what they do i think it's really awesome and i think you will too you're going to enjoy this conversation a lot before we get into it though i just want to remind everybody to jump on itunes leave us a rating and a review either or or both would be best and let's uh let's get this uh let's get these ratings up. We got uh we got five stars right now. Let's uh let's strengthen that up and fortify that with more five star reviews. That would be wonderful and I appreciate it. The last thing before we get started, I just want to give you my gratitude, my thanks for 2019. Uh we started out as a concept then and we've grown into so much more and uh everything's going really well. And I have all of my listeners and the community that's been involved with the Innovate IPM concept to thank. So really appreciate it. And uh, after that, let's get on with the show. Recording. Take two. Take two. (laughs) Sorry about that. I, I thought our last conversation on what was it? Tuesday night? Yeah, Tuesday night, a couple nights ago. I don't know if we can recreate that. I feel like you need to tell your audience what happened. And, <sighs> and I, I feel like you need to take the lumps publicly. Okay. okay. 
I usually don't just admit to uh, to my inadequate inadequate recording skills. There's beauty and imperfection. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so so Roshan and I recorded uh, a couple nights ago, and uh, we recorded uh, Roshan very well. Your track came out beautiful, sounded great. Uh, my track didn't come out at all, so <laughs> it was completely blank. If and uh, forgot to turn on that mic, huh? Yeah, and you know, so that, that was probably part of the, I think what, you know, we had that TV right here and I couldn't see the monitor and, and I wasn't paying attention and, oh, well, it's it happens, I guess. So here we are for round two of, uh, of our interview, which we had a, a really awesome interview last time. I really enjoyed it. I think we went for a full hour, we actually. We went for a full hour, yeah. So And I was in rare form. I had crushed one of those... Um, starbucks nitros before i showed up you know we that, both was, have, both that was that was the secret kids. ingredient yeah huh? and so i was i'm pretty sure i was wired and um it was super fun and i enjoyed it and i think we were talking about before we started recording this one that we should try to figure out how to chop up segments of it and yeah um i know i was in rare form yeah yeah we, we can do that so um well i'll figure out what, what that looks like and uh and and i'll i'll talk about it in the intro so we can i'll record the intro later and then we'll uh, uh, we'll announce to the guests how to hear that part of it too, because that was really excellent. We're definitely not going to sacrifice it. So, well, I'd like to try to pick up the conversation, but because this is kind of starting over, um, maybe we I'll go ahead and just kind of give my background again. Um, that way, you don't have to chop that up and reinsert it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. We can do background, and uh, you know what? I listened to uh, Bigger Than Us for the first time this morning. You, Nexus PMG's podcast and it was excellent and it was with Ben uh, Hubbard, yep. right? Co-founder, my partner, co-founder, co and uh, and he actually he talked about the minivan. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear about the minivan. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So let me start with the minivan is still in the family. My dad has it up in Maryland. Excellent. And uh, well, let me let's take a couple of steps back. Go so ahead. yeah, yeah. However um, you want to present, it's cool. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be really weird because I, I got to think in terms of the audience now, right? Because it's like they hadn't heard anything from the last one. We're working off of what we had <laughs> talked about for an hour. Right. But um, so, you know, what is what is Nexus PMG? Who am I? You know, wh why do we exist? All that good stuff. Um, so in, in summary, and I'm sure you'll chop up the long intro I did last time and we'll present it again. But, you know, Nexus PMG um, has a couple of different uh, brands, but effectively what we do is um, we work with the investment community um, in low carbon intensity infrastructure projects um, that focus on um, process processes that lower um, our global carbon footprint as well as maximize resource efficiencies in existing processes. And um, you know, a long story short is you know Nexus PMG. We formed back in 2013 with, you know, our original intent was we were a project controls consultancy and we have grown that business to do, to work with the infrastructure investor community to do pre-investment diligence and post-investment uh, construction monitoring. And then we have a Greenville, South Carolina office that was formed about two years ago called Nexus PDS, which is, you know, a sub-brand, if you will, under the Nexus PMG banner, but it's all one big team. Um Nexus PDS or Nexus Project Development Services exists uh, to help developers um, get to a point of being underwritable and investable. So we help with everything from 
um, doing the front end engineering and design in that low carbon um, uh, sustainable infrastructure space. Um, and we will take, we'll do everything through the FEL process. We'll also, uh, we have contract folks. We can help um, negotiate the feedstock agreements, the offtake agreements. We're effectively a fully outsourceable um, development company, um, or we can only take pieces and integrate it with an existing development team, you know, however that needs to look. And so, um, you know, that's kind of our, our main brand. And then, you know, we, uh, about three years ago, needed you know a lot of the tools that we needed to manage these infrastructure jobs, both on the PMG and the PDS side. And we formed. Um, it started as an in-house system, which is called Nexus OS. It's the operating system, but we've basically developed the software to manage our projects, manage our business, stay lean and mean um, from the innovation perspective. Um, but publicly rolled it out as called, it's called Cloud EPC. It's it's a commercially available um, industrial project management solution that. You know, I always like to joke, you know, if you got a spreadsheet where you got all your deliverables and rules of credit going across as columns and it's a way to earn value to get to a percent complete, that's what Cloud EPC really excels at. Um, and it has everything from cost management, change management, all the aspects that we need to uh, manage our jobs and that we, we love to work with partners in the industry that also find value in it. Um, and so that's Cloud EPC and then um, Nexus EPC, which is our small capital projects where we can, um, where we do, you know, we can do small lump sum turnkey uh, packages on a lot of our bigger jobs. Um, you know, we're doing detailed design, mm -hmm. um, and, but we'll typically partner with a, with a larger constructor. Um, and, and on some jobs, depending on where we fit, it could even be just owners engineering, independent engineering. So that's kind of the, the overview of how we fit and, and the markets that we attack. Um, and how we fit in, into the marketplace. Very cool. Yeah. You well, guys, and then, and then you, you mentioned bigger than us. So that's one of the other things. Bigger think, than us. How we connected on LinkedIn. That's right. Um, you know, we we feel as we migrate, you know, you, you can kind of see it on our website. And, you know, we're, we have a vision by the end of 2020 to be out of traditional energy, out of oil and gas. And, you know, there's still a portion of our backlog that exists there. And, um, you know, it's a no secret. It's on our website. And we, we are moving away from that. And, um, you know, the vision around bigger than us was to <clears throat> we know and, and in our world that there's a lot of folks that have attention on resource efficiency, combined heat and power, you know, renewable uh, anaerobic digestion, renewable gas, biodiesel. There's, these markets exist. And, you know, trying to create a platform through a podcast um, and getting a lot of our network on. And, and it's not always <coughs> clients that we work with, I mean, we had the, I think it was the CMO or of uh, Truman's, which is a sustainable cleaning um, products company. Mm -hmm. So it's showcasing like household cleaning, household cleaning. Okay. Right. And, and they have, um, you know, especially, you know, we buy, you know, spray cleaners all the time, right? 90, what I can't remember the percentage, 95% of it is water. Right. Mm -hmm. So why not send to the end user concentrate? Mm -hmm. right? Add the water at home, you know, use a reusable bottle and just ship them a, you know, a container of concentrate and create the spray product at home. You know, there's, uh, you know, everything from transporting that material around. Yeah. Um, it, it, there, there's a lot of, you know, undertone. of makes a lot of sense. It does, right? Yeah. Like, why are we buying all that water? That last step's really easy to do. Just pour, add water and go, right? So, you know, our, our podcast focuses on, you know, everything under the sun there. And that's why, you know, we called it Bigger Than Us, um, BTU. 
for kind of all the energy moves out there. That was by design. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't uh, get that. That's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's very smart. So, uh, at the end of the day, we're all we're all still nerds um, to be able to talk <laughs> about this industry. And uh, but yeah, and so it, it was kind of that vision of of let's let's talk about what we're doing, but let's bring on interesting folks in that space. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, a hundred percent relatable to what Nexus is doing. It's let's, let's go build a movement together. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that we're super proud of. And it, it, I think we're on like episode 12 or 13, but yeah, that's super fun. And that kind of lives within our overall ecosystem. And so, yeah. Um, shout out to Raj and, um, getting that off the ground for us. Yeah, very cool. I, I actually, that was the first time I listened to it this morning and uh, and I have to say it's well produced. And Raj does a very good job asking questions. And he, he Yeah, he, he's actually a really great interviewer. I, yeah. I told him after episode two, I don't want to listen to, I don't, we don't, I don't know if Ben even or anyone on our team like pre-listens to him anymore. I think everyone on our team has decided that we just want to be a consumer of the podcast. Yeah, just go. Which is super fun because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, the most recent one I was listening on the drive over here, like I didn't even know what it was about. It was, it, I enjoy, I enjoy being a consumer of, of that product or of that, you know, podcast. Yeah. Awesome, dude. But so- the other night we went off on this amazing one hour tangent. Yeah. And I think that was one of the most rewarding conversations I've had in a very long time. Uh, same for me, man. I, I'm glad you think so. So I would like to figure out how we pick back up. Well, and, and I think we got to give a little bit of background of how we got there. I don't even know how we got there, but it had really it wasn't anything really about industry per se. Maybe it was, but I, I think it came down to um, people, right? I think that's what was the big. Uh, overarching theme of the conversation was was people and talent and and growth um in the direction that 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 you want to grow in and not necessarily the direction that was predetermined for you uh you think i mean is that yeah, a pretty good synopsis I, I think so and i think one of the things that we were talking about you know you were at, you had asked me on the last recording you know said you know well we got off on this tangent on like why why does why does nexus pmg exist as a business, right? And I said, you know, well, we just went through this rebranding and the management team specifically, our why was... Except, except I hate to interrupt you, but we didn't talk about the minivan. <sighs> you have a really good memory. I was trying to dance around that. All right, so... <laughs> so so more, more specifically, because you know what it sounded like to me. I, I grew up playing music, right? I played in a few bands and we, we you know, we went around and played gigs What do you, what do you play? Guitar. I play guitar. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Oh, nice. Play some drums too, yeah. Nice, yeah. yeah. I got a drum kit. I can't really play it. My I wife gotta, won't let me buy a drum set. There's enough noise in the house right now. So I'm, <laughs> I got a drum pad and it sits in the office and that's about the best I'm going to do right, right now. Right on, man. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, that's really cool. So uh, you sounded like you guys were on tour in the minivan. We were. Yeah. Yeah, it was absolutely, uh, we were absolutely on tour. All right, so I guess you're getting it out of me, and I think everyone's going to laugh. But, I think we uh, got it. So it, it, it's, you know, we'll come back to the formation of, uh, I'll tell you a little bit of our origin story, and I know Ben talks about it a little bit, but, you know, the three of us were working at a large EPC in Saudi Arabia, a lot of man camp time, and, you know, it was one of those things, and, and everyone in the industry knows, right? I mean, you know, expat life, there's a little bit of extra capital there, right? I mean, it's just part of the game. It's why a lot of people do it. Um, and there was this mindset of, hey, let's try investing in ourselves and that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, the innovate portion of like your podcast. And, um, you know, we, we had this grand vision of taking big company processes into the middle market at the time. And 
came back and I think Ben bought like a oh one F one fifty that didn't have air conditioning. Had to stick like a new head unit in. I don't even know I didn't even know they still sold those head units. Head, like, what do you mean? The, head the, unit? the ones that go the um I call it a head unit, I don't know what it's actually called, but the stereos that go into the car. Okay. With, you could pop the face off. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah, I think he popped in a new one of those and <laughs> and uh Paul bought some old, you know, I think it was an 08 Accord and I came back and um when we had gone overseas, I had given my uh, my father-in-law, and it wasn't my uncle, as Ben said on the podcast, it was my father-in-law. We had this beautiful um, used uh, 335, and we went overseas, we gave it to him. He ended up selling it, getting an awesome Acura. <clears throat> I think it was the RDX, and then they had their own, the whole minivan that he was driving, uh-huh. so we were coming back. He's like, well, it's returning the favor. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. And so, yeah, we had, I think it was a 2005 light blue uh, Honda Odyssey that was a hand-me-down and it was super there's actually a lot of history behind that van because my <clears throat> my wife and I didn't have a place to live in Dallas when we came back to the United States and so we actually with her brother drove it cross-country went down to Nashville it was a super fun time like oh, this, yeah. the, the stories in the minivan go on and on <laughs> and it was their childhood minivan okay right so my my wife and my brother-in-law have their own stories there's like a hidden carousel built into the bottom of it no one even knows it's there um and so, yeah, long story well, short, we, you know, had no money, right? Like, we had yeah. money that we saved, but you're not going to blow it on plane tickets, right? We're just going to drive across the United States. And Ben does a good job talking about that and some of our early pitches and figuring out our place in the market, I think, is the key point that he was talking about. But right. the minivan still exists. My, nice. my my dad has it now. My dad, not my father, in, in Maryland. And what Raj and I have been throwing around after we cut up the segment on, on the minivan was... Um, what if we turn it into a mobile podcasting studio? There you go. And so, <laughs> Dad just recently retired, um, and I was like, "Hey, what are you doing with that minivan?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, "Hey, I was thinking about getting a new car." I was like, "What if we take it back from you and kind of gut it and turn that it into a funny. mobile podcasting studio? That is funny. Wrap it in the bigger than us logo, and you know, there's so much history now, and it's kind of part of our origin story. It's yeah. funny how we joke about it and now; it's public." Not a lot of people knew about it until yeah. Ben dropped it. And it's, uh, yeah, and obviously that was the thing that stuck out to me. I mean, it wasn't the only thing, but it definitely stuck out to me that you guys were touring around the country in a minivan. And, and look, a hand-me-down I, minivan. I'm not even going <laughs> to pretend. Like, we parked in the back of a parking lot away from the windows. <laughs> you know, we like, and it's funny. Like, there's this idea of, like, perception, right? Like, you're rolling up, like, three guys piling out in the construction industry, piling out of a... You know, a minivan, which by the way still looks great. You know, yeah. park it in the back of the parking lot and walk it in, like you know, no one, you don't, no one can see us. And so, but it, it's such a great part of that kind of origin story yeah. in those early years. Okay, well, thank you for yeah, no, entertaining that, me on that one. I needed to hear it. Absolutely, I, it, <laughs> I love that it's out there now. It was like this weird inside joke that the three of us always told each other, like we would like reminisce on it. Mm-hmm. But now that it's out there, that Ben threw it on the table and. You know, you're not the first person to ask me about it. My my family gets a kick out of it because it still exists. So, yeah, we're looking forward to the mobile podcasting studio, though. That's kind of the uh, now that that's out there, I have to do that too. Now, right? We yeah. have we have to yep. get it back. We have to convert it. So, well, if y'all, y'all there make, you go, Rod. You're gonna get a mobile podcasting studio. Mobile co- yep, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. So y'all need to, y'all need to drive it down to Houston. And, yeah, uh, for maybe sure. We can do some co co podcasting. Absolutely, that'd band. be fun. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I interrupted you. Um, you Congratulations were talking about Nexus. on having a good menu. Oh, good memory, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, the uh, nexus and people is where we were left off. Yeah, and so you know we were. We, I think I had asked. There was two things that happened on the last podcast where I think you were almost joking. Where I started interviewing you. You know, we talked a little bit about your audience, and um, we kind of talked about your passions. And I had, I had asked you, and and maybe you reiterated since your mic didn't pick <clears> up. I said, you know, where do you want to be, and where does your passion lie? Yeah. And so I'll ask you the same question again, and and maybe okay. we kick it off from that point because that led us down a really great conversation yeah yeah so um so it's uh you know my my personal passion and, and where i see all of this stuff going it's 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 really very people driven i like uh i like to see people develop i like to see people grow my personal background is pretty humble um so one of the things that i've learned coming up from a very blue collar non-degree level in this industry is that there really are no limitations. I self-imposed a lot of the limitations on me as I was moving up, and every single time I thought I had plateaued and there was nowhere left for me to go until I either decided to go get a college degree or, or whatever, um, I, I found out that that wasn't true. And so um, I made it pretty high up, and, and, and I, think, I think this was my answer to you, was that don't, don't think you have to climb the corporate ladder. Um, I, made it, I made it pretty high up at, at the last company that I worked for and, and was a person of influence there in a fast-growing company. This company was three years in a row the fastest-growing company in Houston. It was two years in a row on the Inc. 5000 list. We were doing some really cool things. Um, but what I found out as I grew into that position was that it was uh, much more uh, – um, it wasn't something that I really enjoyed. What I, had, what I had elevated myself to was taking more time away from my family than I liked, number one, uh, and two, the, the vision that I had uh, in that position wasn't becoming a reality in that, in that organization. And so that was kind of a, a wet blanket, right? And so um, what I found to be beneficial for me was actually to take a step back get out of the managerial role, go back to a production role and be just the best person I could be at that, to be the best in the world at it. And that's what I said to myself. I'm just going to be the best in the world at understanding project cost is, is the very tight niche that I decided to, to, to go down. And, uh, and since then, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken at several conferences as a technical speaker. I have, uh, I've conducted multiple trainings, trainings that I created uh, on my own, and uh, and I'm, I'm writing white papers now for for the AACE. These are all things that I didn't think I was capable of as a non-degreed uh, previous pipe fitter, right? I mean, that's 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 really how blue collar it was. I was a pipe fitter for several years, and so now, um, in, in in the sole purpose of this podcast is to to help people develop in their careers to the place that they want to be in but also to look at this very rapidly changing job market the very rapidly changing roles uh that that we're seeing in in specifically project management and project controls within engineering and construction uh, as technology advances uh, uh, very quickly as the market is is changing in ways that I don't think everybody understands, 
Uh, I think there's big shifts happening in the way that we conduct engineering and construction that nobody understands. And I think you can see this when you look at at the big companies and, and how they keep tearing apart and, and reconfiguring into different shapes and forms. I think they're struggling to understand it, and that's that's their answer to it. Um, and, and that was, you know, I think one of the key points was, you know, you can't fake culture, right? Yeah. You chop it up and move it around and kind of repositioning yeah. is... It's, it's difficult, and we're not saying that, you know, the big companies exist for a reason, right? But how, and I don't know how to do it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's very challenging, and for the folks in those environments that have to figure out how do you deal with, you know, like a Jacob CH, you know, like, that's tough. Like, mm-hmm. It's very difficult, and a lot of empathy to the folks in those organizations to figure out how do you maintain culture in, in such a, in, in that environment, it's not easy. I mean, yeah. you know, shout out to all those folks that are trying to figure out how to make that work. Definitely, yeah. Um, but, you know, for us, you know, I know what's been important and, you know, you always hear this, keep in mind, we, we own a software company, right? But um, people, processes, and tools, and you hear that all the time, right? right? And people always come first. And But I do feel like from my point of view when I was in corporate and it's, and, and, and I'm being very frank about this. this. Is my opinion. I don't think it's always true. I think it's different. But you know, processes and tools seem to have gotten a lot of attention. And I don't even know over how long. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in mm-hmm. you know industry dynamics. I'm not really an HR person. Like, but when I was there, it's what it always felt like. Is there's a lot of focus on processes and tools. And yes, people are important. But our processes and tools will help. Right where I think especially within Nexus and a lot of the discussions we have is, you know, it all starts in our view with kind of people and then you arm them with processes and tools where it makes sense. Right. Like not always, you know, you know, you know, you're not always bringing in a hammer, a giant hammer, you know, if that's not really what's required. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and then you're trusting your people to implement the right, you know, and obviously checks and balances, you need all of that stuff. I'm not, I'm not sitting here ragging on processes and tools. No, of course you, not. You, you need those yeah. things to efficiently run a business. You need checks and balances. You need all those things. But but starting with, um, you know, putting people first and really listening and being accessible and, um, you know, we, we talked about Simon Sinek but yeah. in the last conversation, but that idea of trust. Yeah. Um, and it's not an idea. It's a reality, right? I mean, sure. It, it, trust goes both ways. Um, and, and being able to, and I'll almost pose it as a question, how do you build an environment of trust um, in in these types of organizations? And, and, and that's, you know, I think Uber, whether you're, you know, a massive Fortune 500 company or, um, you know, your, your Nexus PMG and, you know, your, your, your whatever, 50 employees, right? It, it matters. <clears throat> your culture absolutely matters. And it's how... You're going to be have to be able to effectively navigate, you know, in the current work environment, mm-hmm. you know, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, another author, uh, Jim Collins, good to great. Did you read it? I have not. Man, no. you got to read it. Uh, great book. And one of the one of the key elements of of good to great, uh, they they studied a bunch of successful companies, and and they had some really good criteria for determining success. Uh, I think you'd be interested in too. But the, uh, the, the, one of the, probably the most common thread, the thing that they all had in common was uh, it was people first. Yeah. Yeah. It was build the team first, then build the company around the team. 
In fact, uh, some of the companies were build the team and then figure out what we're going to sell. Like it was to that point, right? Yeah. So to your point, yeah. I, I subscribe to it 100%. I yeah. mean, you can't, you can't teach culture, right? Um, you know, hire Ben, ben said it. I don't know where, if you read it somewhere or not, Ben, my, my business partner. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but hire for a culture, you can always kind of teach skills, right? And I'm not saying, you know, but, but you know, we, an efficient team is way more productive than, you know, where there's folks who are trying to step on each other to move up the ranks and kind of tying back to what you were saying. You know, it's it's important to have that trust for a team. I mean, we're in engineering and construction. It is literally a team environment. I mean, we, yes. we, we collaborate. What drives most of our people in these projects is cohesively working together as a team. It's yep. not sitting alone, like in a classroom, trying to take a test. You know, we, we all thrive in, you know, in these team environments. And I'm not saying everyone. Some folks do like to work in a silo. But, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm not saying you even have to be completely extroverted to fit into that. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to make that team work. So um, that's definitely a big part of who we are. Um, and it's who we are as Nexus and foc- focusing on on creating that environment. Um, and just kind of, you know, the simple one for me was always like powerful laptops. Like we are basically, we're, we're working in, 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 in remote environments even even if you're showing up to the office every day, I mean, business trips in our world are are very normal. We have to go to site, right? Right. But like arming, you know, we talk about tools, and I'm about to go back to tools. But you know, people hate working with like a machine that's completely outdated and falls over on its side all the time and never connects. And and it's really not that expensive. I mean, I, I know when you get thousands of employees, that can be a big line item. But the the corresponding benefit of people just Feeling okay, at least I got the tool to do my job. This sucker's not going to crash on me. Blue screen of death, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> just like let's go get powerful i sevens or whatever, right? Like processors, but like it, it, it's those are kind of the simple things, you know. Like I'm almost afraid to say because I know I said it on the last recording, but like unlimited PTO is one of the things that we, you know, trust your people. Yeah, trust yeah. your people. You know, it, it you hire people to do a job. It's not to micromanage them on time off. Everyone's like, well, what if someone abuses it? Well, if you're abusing it, then you're not right for our culture. You're not right. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not that complicated. It's, you know, and I know there's costs too, but, you know, everyone that we've brought in, like, no one has abused it. it it's, right. you know, everyone's there to do a good job. And they understand. They understand how exceptional that is, I'm sure, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So why, why mess that up? So you're the you, beneficiary of it while I mess it up. Exactly. So you can't, you can't create culture. I mean, I, I mean, I guess you can, but I, what I'm trying to say is it's, it's more about the actions, right? Like you can throw a pool table on the floor. Oh, by the way, we have a pool table on the floor, but yeah. in, in Dallas at least, but I got a foosball table down the hall. There you go. Right. You know, <laughs> you, you, you can quote unquote, put beer in the fridge that right. you can have after five, but that, that in itself the term you use is putting lipstick on a pig, right? Like that's that right. in itself, like those anecdotes don't create culture. Yeah. Right? It's people, it's interactions. It's, it's all of those things combined with, yeah, we can, you know, unlimited PTO. There are these things you can put in yeah. place, but by itself, that's not culture. Yeah. And I think li- the lipstick on the pig comment was really stating that it's superficial without all that other stuff. It's great with it. But if you don't have that, that the the real um, 
that's the word I'm looking for. If you're not taking the real initiatives to embrace and nurture that culture that you're developing, the pool tables mean nothing, right? The foosball tables mean nothing. And that's, that's exactly, I think you see a lot of that. I mean, I say you see a lot of that. I've seen it. And, uh, and that's definitely not the path that I would choose to go down. Although I will say pool tables are great for dispute resolution. So you just throw, <laughs> throw your chips on the table and winner takes all. Go after it. Huh? So unfortunately for me, there's people in our office that are way better than I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no good. I can tell you that right now. We look at like the, uh, just the workforce in general. And you, you guys are running a, 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 a lean operation, right? You're about 50 people, which is great. And I, and I and bring up that term I brought up last night, but it's, it's the elite boutique, right? You guys are focused on uh, being the best at what you do, right? And you, you've narrowed down your, your client base. You say you want to go with low-carbon projects. You're, you're zeroing in on that. You're zeroing in on mostly upfront work, or at least with the PMG portion. Um, and so do you feel like by taking those steps, do you feel like that is a benefit in in – generating that culture do people see that kind of specificity in your approach and say yeah i gotta be a part of that i i think so i you know i couldn't say that definitively and speak for everyone you know i obviously talked to our team and ask them you know why did you come to us and you know there's even been elements of you know key folks that came over to us it's like oh you know people trust people right it comes back to trust right so we, we've generated trust with key individuals. They joined us. They're talking to people they trust. Yeah. Right. And they're leaving a quote unquote safe, secure jobs, you know, and coming and joining us. So it, it all comes back to trust. And, and even me, you know, it, it takes work to form relationships with, I'm not, I don't live in Greenville, I live in Dallas. Right? Mm-hmm. So making the time to go there, build real relationships with the team there mm-hmm. and be in, People need to be able to talk to anyone in our company, right? That's how you thrive, right? If, if there if there is a problem, if within a project and folks know it, like coming back to culture, you know, if folks feel comfortable, they will raise an issue, right? Doesn't matter how secure you are, extroverted, introverted. If you find a problem, like creating that culture, speaking up, and not feeling like even if even if it was you that made the mistake, like feeling safe enough to say, look. Yeah, there was a mistake. We need to. We need to. We can fix problems, right? Raising problems—that's culture. Like being comfortable enough to speak up and say, "I know it's going to be fine. We're going to fix it," right? So, and that comes back to making sure that you can form that cohesive team. In my opinion, on mm-hmm. on actually executing. You know, one of the things I said the other night um, or last night was, um, even when you go to the big companies and they hire, you know, to big owners teams, big, you know, the Shells, the Exxon's, right? And they do a contract or sign a contract with a large EPC, right? They're always asking, who's on my team? Yeah. Right? They it, want it, the resumes. They want to know. They yeah. want to know who's on my team. It, 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 Yes, it matters, right? Business to business contracts and bonding capabilities and, and, and being able to 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 show up as a company matters. But at the same time, there's there's also <laughs> a very clear thing that happens on every project is who on the other side is going to be representing that company and what is their experience and, and how long have they been working together? And there's always that, that soft interview side, yeah. regardless of which big company you work for. So it always does come back to the team and the people and everyone knows you could sign a contract 
and get the best of the best, and that thing is gonna that project is gonna be executed flawlessly, and everyone's gonna come out, you know, a winner. And you know, and there's projects that that go sideways for a host of reasons, right? I'm, you know, IPA, Edmir, all those guys. They they have data that can substantiate all of that. Oh yeah, I, yeah. That I just leave another podcast for them to talk about. But there is a huge element of 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 teamwork and who's there, and and coming back to being able to be comfortable enough in that environment to to address problems and then take them down one at a time and yeah. create solutions as engineers. That's what we do. We solve problems. Right. So, right. Are you getting a lot of guys out of, uh, out of the industries, the traditional energy and oil and gas industries? Um, yeah, I mean, traditional, traditional infrastructure. Um, you know, there's okay. a lot of folks, um, on our team with, um, traditional power generation backgrounds for sure. Yeah. Combined okay. cycle coal, um, there is a huge element of, you know, we do a lot in biomass um, and just kind of organic-based products and, you know, pulp and paper and textiles. There's a huge population of very capable engineers down in that Greenville, South Carolina, Southeast United States. It's a big industry down there. So, you know, when we were looking where we were going to open our office and looking at our markets and all that, everything that we were wanting to do in our grand vision of what we were, you know, trying to build, it made a lot of sense to go to Greenville because I think um, I think you couple it with the, the population, just amazing talent that exists there. Um, you couple it with the type of engineering. I mean, love Houston, but, you know, there, there's just a lot of oil and gas engineers. Oh, yeah. Very heavy. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of power talent. There's a lot of pulp and paper. There's just a lot of infrastructure, process engineering, you know, multidisciplinary engineering talent. Um, and, I'm sure there's guys that might like our team in Greenville that can talk your ear off about why Greenville and how and the te- the textiles mecca of you know the United States through a large portion. Of yeah, how it that's interesting. I didn't know that. Oh, it's yeah. it's a super interesting story actually, and I, I wouldn't do it justice. But you know, it was with Jay Serene. Yeah, you know, started there, which you know I guess became CH2 from what I understand, or. But it was okay. there to support the large textile industry, which hmm. is what was Greenville, South Carolina, which is like the birth of large multidisciplinary engineering. Super interesting story. And then, you know, the manufacturers, BMW, all, all started coming to Greenville, South Carolina. And it's just it's an amazing hub. Yeah. You know what I mean? You hear Sounds like Huntsville, Alabama, another random hub. I'm sure there's a great yeah. story around just, you know, power and nuclear and how that formed to be. But there's there's an amazing engineering hub in Huntsville, Alabama. I mean, yeah, the, the, they exist all over. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's amazing. That is cool. Yeah, I thought I thought I was uh, I just had to live in Houston the rest of my life. I guess not, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a big world. I mean, I uh, I uh, I don't know how long I'll be in in Texas. I love Texas. Yeah, I actually enjoy Dallas quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think the the message I had. Uh, on the last recording, you know, was never say no. It's done a lot for my mm-hmm. career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, moving is a big part of our industry and it's tough and, you know, it, it definitely puts a strain on a lot of personal things, but I, I've enjoyed it. You know, we went overseas, we we've lived, I personally have moved, I guess now it's 16 years, but eight times in 16 years, but okay. But it was eight times in twelve years mm. before I really relocated and firmly locked down into Dallas. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have a, I think it's important to have a good blend of field experience and home office kind of engineering as well. Even yeah, for design teams, Definitely. you know, being able to see how your design gets 
install than you know constructability mm-hmm. you know and actually say like that was a great idea until we what you know had to watch how they had to place that concrete and that was a train wreck you know like so <laughs> it, it it matters to have that experience of being able you know ed talked about the fel process and the innovation right but to be able to be innovative you kind of have to understand all the different aspects not kind of you have to understand all the different aspects of quote unquote total installed cost, right? And that right. that's everything. It's not just squeezing your quantities down. It's understanding enough about layout, you know, general arrangements, constructability, Correct. understanding that you can do this now, but if you operations and maintenance can't maintain it, there's no access to motors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you squeeze the building down, there's no way to get to the pump. Like so there's there's an element of realism there that, you know, unless you've seen it and you kind of stumble through the hard points and that comes back to people and experience and you know, building teams that um, have a good mix of all of that. Right, right, definitely. So what do you see is coming, uh, <clears throat> you know, you guys are, are making the conscious decision, and I applaud you definitely for for moving into low-carbon projects. Um, what do you see as the future of the industry? Is, is this going to be – let me think about this question before you, before you answer it. I guess the question I'm asking is, uh, is low carbon projects going to be the future of, of doing engineering and construction? Because what I've seen, especially here lately, we're seeing mega projects that are done for, especially like uh, uh, LNG plants, and they're overrunning tremendously, which is, going back to Ed Marrow, situation normal, right? They're overrunning 30, 40%. And then we're seeing uh, the forecast for shale gas production going way down, even over a six month period, they, they said, well, we should be increasing by 800,000 barrels a day. Now they, it, just a couple of weeks ago, the forecasters came back and said, no, no, it's not gonna be that, it's gonna be 400. And not only that, we have situations like entire countries moving to renewables. Costa Rica is a good example, I believe Denmark. Uh, those are countries that are they're almost there, right? To 100% renewables. And then we see things like entire countries putting bans and restrictions on phasing out single-use plastics. So these have all been sort of the staples of the industry. So the market's changing. The industries are changing. What do we think the future is going to look like across engineering and construction? It's a really good question. Um, you know, I have my opinions. Um, there's other folks within our company that are way more focused on, on the market specifically. Sure. Um and, and, you know, uh, and, and I'll, I'll try to break it down. I, it's a really good question. I'm just organizing my, my thoughts. I think there's a couple of different sectors that really excite me. Um, and I'll, I'll start with kind of waste of value. Mm-hmm. Right? We generate a tremendous amount of waste. Correct. Just, just here alone in the United States, right? Just, just a tremendous amount of waste. Yeah. And right now there are, there are markets for how do you deal with that waste. But there's also things that are occurring like, you know, the, um, the low carbon uh, fuel credits in California and redirecting and putting bands around organics going into landfills. And with those waste streams that exist today and known technologies like anaerobic digestion, like gasification, like we can, we can, we can take those waste streams right now today with proven technology and convert them into energy sources mm. that, that can absolutely be be used in a you know a closed loop cycle where we and, that, and this is a waste management problem not 
not you know, yes, there's plenty of gas, right? Yeah, renewable natural gas, but we're not going to stop consumption. I mean, we only probably are going to consume more. And so creating real and the markets exist, but you know, taking yeah, by the, no means do I mean it's going anywhere, right? Right. But it's, it's not, changing. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. you, you've probably seen the articles with our version of recycling was packaging up plastics and sending it over to Asia and now they're sending it back, right? Like real problems. Yeah. Real real problems. Correct. There's a lot of folks looking at, you know, taking plastics and converting it back into, you know, into high fuel grades, right? Like mm. it's real solutions to problems that exist today. And just on the waste management side, you know, you right now waste management companies get paid to pick up trash, right? And they make money there. But if you take that trash or take that waste and you can separate the organics and you can create <clears throat> renewable gas with it, right? You're making money on the tip fees, plus you're creating a fuel source and you can make money there. I'm not saying some of this does still require subsidies. It's not, you know, like it's going to be completely, but but there is markets here where you can make money in, in these markets, right? So if you were to ask me where I'm bullish on and where I see real problems and where I can see markets, technologies coming into markets to solve real problems, I am super bullish. I know a lot of the folks on our team are super bullish around just waste of value in general. Waste of value. Yeah. And yeah. and look, we Baltimore's got a trash burner, right? Right there in the city. So it's not like, you know, looking at waste and creating power is not some new concept. Right. But, you know, we just saw in that last hurricane, um, you know, all all the um the pig watch my mouth here, but the pig pig waste, right? Like yeah, you, you oh, know, pig waste. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah the, the the pig ass, right? Like, <laughs> it, it, you know, there that that flooding that occurred down there in in the Carolinas yeah. um, in the last hurricane, right? All that overflow that all went into so just you know taking that um, even like looking at you know dairy farming and the waste that's produced, um, but we can convert. We know right now how to convert all that waste yeah. into energy, right? I mean, whether it's through a, a anaerobic digester and then going through a, a gas upgrading unit to get to pipeline quality or burning it into like a cat engine, you know, it's effectively syngas, right? It's like a cow stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's active, you know, microbacteria, they eat and fart and capture gas. And like it, it, we know these technologies exist. Right. So that's, if you were to ask me where I'm pumped about, you know, yes, markets are also changing, um, you know, government regulations, um, and I think I talked about this a little bit, and I don't pretend to be an expert on it, but, you know, being able to fly into the European Union, a portion of your gas jet fuel has to come from renewable sources. So just, you know, looking at projects like taking waste streams out of our ag prod, um, agricultural mm-hmm. ecosystem, right, cotton gin trash, and converting that into renewable jet fuel, like these markets exist that, you know, big players are going to have to buy these fuel sources Right to be able to meet market demands. Right, mm-hmm. so yeah, there's an element of you know the waste to value side solving real problems. There's going to be government created problems, if you will, and having to meet requirements. And it's a global market, so yeah, absolutely. I think there's, I, I think we're going to see quite a few of these projects popping up because the markets are going to demand it, um, and and it's not always purely you know solving a problem from a revenue standpoint as much as solving a real problem like waste management. So Yeah. Yeah. It's twofold, right? And I think I think once I think for the people who have the vision to see the things just like you're describing, that, that there's opportunities there. Um 
when when they get the right resources, I think that they're gonna they're gonna move forward with it. I'm sure there's a lot of people already going down the path of startups. Yeah, and there's yeah. you know a lot of our clients. There's you're seeing folks form, you know, uh, in, investment vehicles on this thesis right now. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, again, plug for bigger than us. You know, we're interviewing some of those folks, and there's a lot of color they're adding. And but like, there's even folks that are creating interesting situations on using waste streams. Like, like Arun. Um, Arun was on our podcast from Skyven. That's, that was a great episode where he talked about taking, you know, just industrial heat, right? There's energy right there, right? You know, and, and figuring out how to redirect that heat. And again, it comes down to capital costs, right? So can we structure deals, you know, where, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go raise the capital. We'll go build the facility using your waste stream, mm-hmm. your heat, heat in this case, right? And then, Figuring out contracts, you know, whether it's, you know, through a BTU based and, and send it back and then all the savings, you know, we'll, ch- we'll, we'll split the savings, right? Like, so there's, there's ways you can structure these deals where I, I don't think there's any facility out there. And, and this is on the efficiency side of the house, but I don't think there's any facility out there that doesn't want to be more effective, right? Right. It always comes down to, you know, the capital costs to do it. So can we structure, can we mitigate that through structuring contracts? Yes. And get paid back as a developer over time. And there's one of many ways we can approach the market in a real um, meticulous way on everyone wants to be more efficient. I don't think you can walk in anywhere and be like, yeah, no, we don't want to be efficient. Absolutely not. We right. we, we enjoy right. creating these waste streams. Like n- no one, no one says that, right? Right. It all it always just kind of comes back to you know capitalism at its best, right? Like it, it you know how how can I sell this to my management? How can we actually accomplish that? Um, and so, and I think we're just going to have to fumble our way through there. And I think you couple that with um, people are demanding more out of their companies, yeah, right? They they want it's not just about the bottom line anymore. And you know, I don't the which buzzword you want to use: conscious capital, sustainability. But everyone's got some sort of initiative right now, and rightfully so, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there's enough there's enough science out there and enough where we know we can do better. We know we create waste. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, who doesn't want to breathe clean air? Like, let, let's be honest with each other. You know, it, it's not about what side of the aisle you sit on. Like, it, these are these are things that I think everyone believes in. And yes. then, you know, as I was jo- not joking, but as I said, but we also got to pay our bills, right? So just like a level of realism. But can we find ways to solve those problems while still operating in, in, a, in a capitalistic society? I yeah, mean, I believe the answer is yes. I mean, yeah, I think Nexus is doubling down on it. So, yeah, and I think that's incredible, and uh, and I certainly uh, admire you guys for that. So you guys have become a, probably my favorite company right now that I've talked I to. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So the, in 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 true form, then, because I do want to hijack this at least once. Go I think. Do you have advice in your passion around people and teams for both, let's say, a small company like Nexus, uh-huh. um, trying to attack, a- attract, you know, the next great engineering resources and, and current, actually, not just next, but yeah, um, and, and not just to me, but large companies, mm-hmm. you kind of see what's happening in the market. On, on what if you if you had their ear, HR, the C suite sitting in a room. What what would you say to them on? And I'll, I'll leave it broad. It's, it's not just culture because right? I'm I'm really that's right now. I think one of my biggest passions is how do you scale and maintain culture. It's something I just I think about a lot right now. Yeah, yeah. 
No, definitely. Um, so <clears throat> my advice is to to let people feel like they're and not just let them feel this way, but but let people know that they're in control. Don't make them feel like they're owned by the company. The young people uh, that are coming out of college, that are coming into the to the oil and gas arena, particularly and and particularly the the EPCs, and more particularly the the mid to smaller firms. Uh, the one thing that they they figure out that they don't like very quickly is is that they lose control of their their time and where they're going to be and all this kind of. Obviously, there's their demands. This is a demanding industry to be in. Um, but but let them have a say in the future of their career. Let them have a say in uh, um, how they spend their time to to what extent is possible. Right. But whatever you do, don't don't make people feel like they don't have control over their their career or themselves. That that would be my biggest tidbit. The majority of the folks that I've seen who have come into organizations like that and got the got the wake up call, especially ones that have ended up in some of the meat grinders I've gone to work for. Um, they either I've seen them completely leave the industry altogether, go get into real estate or some other thing that's completely unrelated or they've gone on to uh start start their own thing which is great right in fact well, i think we need to see more of that but that that's that's probably the today if you ask me today i think that's my key piece of advice it might be different tomorrow but that's uh that's my off the cuff response that's good i appreciate that well i appreciate your time yeah thank you man yeah absolutely i uh bring the minivan down next time and so yeah, all, all joking aside, the, <laughs> the minivan should be back in Texas, like no later than like July, August of next year. And yeah, we're we're, we're absolutely going to wrap it. And I think if you're in the Dallas area, I legitimately got Raj, uh, who, who runs that podcast uh, as the interviewer and the host is, I think he legitimately is like, yeah, I'll just drive it around town. So <laughs> if you see a random bigger than us minivan next year, driving around Dallas, you you can probably stop Raj and say hi. Yeah. So he's the, the nicest guy. I would meet. most definitely. If I saw that man, I'm knocking on the window. Might freak him out. Hey, man. I, I don't honestly know what a mobile, um, I, for some reason, randomly, and I don't know if your LinkedIn feed looks like this, but a lot of people recording in cars. Yeah. Just like setting up like video and just interviewing people in cars, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if Seinfeld started that or Seinfeld, what. Seinfeld, the coffee and cars. That's yeah. a great show. So. Um, there's a speaking of guitar playing. There's a there's one that puts an entire band in the back of a van. Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess all the gimmicks to try to grab people's attention. These it's great. Days. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks, Roshan, man. It's been yep. great. It was a great conversation yeah, last time, and we're definitely gonna enter. Keep this up, man. Let's uh let's keep this conversation going. <laughs> <laughs>